Good morning, everyone, and welcome to All Things Russell on Laker Country 104.9 WJRS. I'm Jeff Hoover along with Tony Kerr in our studios here, and uh, it's been quite an eventful 24 hours as we uh, concluded our Radiothon yesterday here on Laker Country 104.9. Tony, uh, you were here, you participated as an elected official, as did several others in answering uh, your challenge, but what an amazing day. Uh, uh, The people of Russell County just responded uh, so well. As uh, I think you and I both had talked, uh, we knew they would respond, but we didn't know they would respond in the magnitude that they did, uh, raising over $206,000. Jeff, incredible. It's a good thing you got that parking lot expanded a little bit (laughs) yesterday. Yeah, I've never seen so many cars here. Uh, But, yes, and just... uh, Big thank you to everyone who uh, donated. No donation was too small. We we appreciated everything. But I think, Jeff, uh, that, that people had been wanting since last Friday uh, to be able to do something. You feel helpless. Yeah. You know, you, you sit around and you watch. Uh, certainly you can pray for those folks. Uh, but you wanted to do something. And we can't, most of us can't go down there. Uh, so they were able to, to do it and, uh, and to open up uh, their, their checkbooks, and wallets, and purses, and uh, give what they could. And uh, what, a, what a tremendous drive. Just, uh, I know you, your goal was 100000 uh, You doubled that. Uh, but you could see, I think about Thursday or about uh, Wednesday, this thing was starting to snowball and people were really excited about it. But you had churches. The, the school, the students, $16,000. Yeah, that's, the, that's just, a lot of nickels uh, for those kids. Yeah. And when you take it up, that, that's, that's incredible. It, it really I'm is. There, I don't amazing. remember any, anything like that. You know, each of the elementary schools raised about $3,500 each. The middle school and high school then to round it out at $16,000 just from students here in Russell County. I mean, uh, and, and you know, <clears throat> the, the, the good, so many good things from it, but one of the good things is Mr. Ford called me late yesterday afternoon and he had been to a couple of the elementary schools and students and staff were coming up and saying, uh, what was the final total? You know, how much did they get? Uh, they were so into it because they were participating in something. Almost like it was a score of a ball game. Yeah, I mean, they, they felt a part of something big. And, uh, you know, former employee here at Laker Country, Leslie uh, Grant McGowan, who's now a teacher, and she posted on Facebook last night of a child who came up to her and asked what was the uh, total for the school, and I think she's at the middle <laughs> school, but I, I'm not sure. But uh, the child came up and asked her what the total was for the school, and she she told him, and he told her, well, I put $4 of that big total. You know, he was so excited, and that's what it's all, uh, that's what it's about. And those well, kids my daughter, felt it. you know, they, they were listening to it. Yeah. You know, they, a lot of teachers had it on in their classrooms, and they were, they were listening and keeping up with that total, which is amazing. Yeah. But, but it brought everybody together. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Uh, for, some, for someone cause. told me last night, and I think this is true, um, everyone wanted to be involved. Everyone wanted to help. They really weren't sure what their options were, and there was an opportunity here through the Radiothon to participate, and they did. And, and they wanted to, and they felt good about it. But from a community standpoint, it was a unifier. Uh, it, it brought people together. It brought kids it brought adults, it brought churches and organizations and 
businesses and and all those together for a common good and uh, uh, you know we're, we're we're just proud to have been to have played a small part in it. The generosity of Russell Countyans is uh, um, is remarkable. It's a great season for giving. Yep. Yeah, you know, that, that's what it's all about. Santa Claus a week from today on the show. Uh, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. We'll have more details on that before next Friday. But uh, want Christmas to Eve. encourage folks to come out next Friday morning. And uh, Tony and I will be with Santa Claus on all things Russell. And last year, you know, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Was a lot had, of fun. Had kids well, and now we, we want to let people know so they can. Uh, more people wanted to come last year. Yeah. I guess we sort of sprung Santa Claus on it, but they can come and talk and uh, maybe talk on the radio too. Yeah. If you can get those kids to some, some are either uh, just really shy or some's going to talk us to death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have to yeah. cut them off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's always a lot of fun as we get ready for Christmas. Christmas a week from tomorrow, man. How time flies. Yeah. Yeah, it's here, folks. This morning. Tony and I are excited about our program. As we said uh, last week after we confirmed our guest, uh, out of an unspeakable tragedy here in Russell County that occurred 25 years ago, December the 22nd, has come a story of hope, of love, of forgiveness, of redemption, and it is just a wonderful story out of something that was so tragic. And we have in our studio today one of our guests, and we have the other guest on the phone who's unable to be here in person because she tested positive yesterday for COVID. We're uh, praying for her. Yeah, but she is available by phone. And, Tony, I'm going to let you introduce our guest that we're so excited to have with us on the program today to to share this wonderful story. Well, these uh, these two people are friends, and uh, some people sc still scratch their heads over that, uh, how how they could be friends, and we're going to talk about that uh, in just a moment. But uh, it was Sunday evening, uh, the 22nd of December in, in 1996. Uh, a family, uh, the family of Eddie Eads, uh, they were going to go see Christmas lights at Burnside Island, and uh, they were traveling east on Highway 80, and uh, they never made it. Their vehicle was struck head-on by a truck. Five of the six people in that vehicle would die. Uh, Eddie Eads, Jr., was 43. Uh, his wife, Mary Lucille Eads, was 47. Uh, Aaron Eads, 16, their son. Uh, Aaron DeBoard, 15, a friend of the family. And Brittany Blankenship, uh, an eight-month-old baby. All of those would perish. There was one survivor in that uh, in that car, Adam Lawless, and he sustained uh, some horrific uh, injuries, but he did live. Uh, he carried the scars uh, not only physically but emotionally for the remainder of his life, and uh, he passed away at a very young age in 2016. And joining us by phone uh, is Margaret Sheffield. Margaret uh, is the sister to uh, uh, Eddie Eads, and Margaret... Uh, I know you plan to be here in person, but uh, good morning. And how are you feeling first? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> well, uh, this co. Oh yeah, but uh, th thank you for joining us, uh, Margaret. Uh, you were going to join us here uh, in the studio with our other guest, and uh, Jack Schaefer is here. Jack Schaefer was the driver of the truck that. Uh, 
killed your brother and your sister-in-law and, and uh, uh, your nephew. Uh, and when you tell people that you have forgiven him totally and that you are friends, uh, what's your response? Margaret, so you, you had no hard feelings or no hatred uh, uh, for Jack? One of the things, and you were talking about your faith, uh, is the, that you were forgiven, and how could you accept forgiveness from the cross and not give forgiveness? And that's a pretty powerful statement. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. Jack Schaefer, uh, good morning. Uh, this, good morning. This, uh, Hi, Margaret. This is the first time you've spoken publicly. You've been, you came here once before since, uh, since the wreck in 96. You, uh, you were at a meeting speaking out against uh, the vote on alcohol, uh, but you've not sp spoken pu publicly since then. Not in Russell County. Right, you, oh, many other places, but here. So uh, appreciate you coming. Uh, you didn't have any hesitation, it seemed like. Did, uh, did you think about it for a moment, about coming back here? I didn't think about it for a moment. Um, I had a little bit of apprehension about coming to Russell County, um, but there was no doubt in my mind, if I'm asked to come and testify about Christ and what he's done in my heart, I'm coming. Mm -hmm. You know, Jack, uh, a lot of people are gonna uh, hear you today and they're not going to believe a word you say. What do you, what do you say to that? They don't have to believe me. Uh, I would ask that they, if they are professing Christians, I would ask them to believe in the forgiveness of Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, I know somebody that believed in you early on was, uh, was Margaret. It was. Um, the first time I met Margaret was at the county jail through a window, and I was scared to death. Margaret, the, um, you, you, Margaret you remember that, obviously. So your father forgave him also. Wow. Sure did. 
Jack, I've heard your testimony at Grace Baptist Church, and you prayed for something like that to happen. You, as uh, as you were going through this walk, you you wanted to reach out, start reaching out to these people who uh, who lost their family members. I did. That was a prayer of mine, and I had asked God to make a way and to open a door for me to reach out to the families. Um, I knew that there was a lot of um, bad feelings, a lot of hatred, <clears throat> and I knew it was a door that Christ would have to open. Um, I think that Margaret met some of my family uh, at the courthouse one day, and they had had a prayer in the basement, um, and it kind of progressed from that moment. And I got notified by my family that Margaret wanted to come and see me with her father. Uh, but I remember picking up the phone and, and talking with them and being humbled by that whole experience. Uh, but I've never forgotten Margaret's words because um, I didn't know what I was going to say to her. Um, but she said, um, uh, I've been mad, I've been angry, She goes, and I've tried to hate you, but God wouldn't let me. Hmm. And that was the first words that Margaret Sheffield spoke to me. Uh, and that... Um, uh, it just gave me a peace in my heart at that time. And Jack, you were, I don't think Tony mentioned this, but after several court battles and legal battles, you entered a plea of guilty to the various charges and was given a 25-year sentence. That correct? is correct. Yeah, you had two trials. And uh, juries in Russell County gave you very long sentences, 100 years plus. And then they added 20 on with a life. Uh, you had two very well-publicized trials, uh, but those were uh, sent back. Those convictions overturned. A lot of folks don't understand uh, that if you, uh, you get 20 years or more in Kentucky in a sentence, those automatically go to the Supreme Court That's correct. for yeah. the review. And uh, those cases and uh, those two convictions of yours by the jury went to the Supreme Court, both rejected and sent back. Uh, but uh, when it was coming up for the third trial, you said there wouldn't be a third trial. That is correct. And, you know, during the first trial, of course, um, anybody that remembers that knows that I pled not guilty and really contested um, my innocence. During the second trial, God had been at work in my heart, and I didn't contest guilt or innocence. Um, I just, I wouldn't testify. God would not allow me to get up on the stand and blatantly lie. And when that one was overturned and I had came back for the third one, God had worked in my heart in such a way that um, I knew I was just going to come back and plead guilty. So when what, I first, What did your attorney say? He wasn't happy. He told me I couldn't do it. Mr. Cox. <laughs> um, I had, uh, of course, in my incarceration, I had done the legal aid training and was uh, an assistant to other inmates. And I knew just enough about the law to make me a little smart aleck. <laughs> so when I came back, I told him, we're not going to have a trial. We're just going to plead guilty. Um, and that's ultimately what I ended up doing. And... I think you pled guilty and your term of imprisonment was 25 years. And from the time the incident happened in 1996 Sunday, uh, until you were released, you were never out of custody, right? That is correct. And so how much time did you wind up serving before you were released on parole? 
with uh, what they call meritorious good time and then educational good time and so on, you can earn just a little under 16 years. Okay. And so various prisons and various locations across Kentucky for just under 16 years. But, but during your incarceration, Jack, your life really, really changed. Dramatically. Tell us about that. <clears throat> the, the biggest change would have came upon my conversion. Uh, that was in the Adair County Jail. I don't have the exact date. Uh, it was within a couple weeks of the accident. Um, of course, you know, I was um, born and raised in a Christian home and mm-hmm. was taught all about Jesus and Christ. And um, But I rejected all of that, uh, of course. And But nothing in my life ever touched my heart um, the way the accident did. Or should I say God used that in my life to speak to my heart, to speak to my soul in a way that nobody or nothing else ever did. Um, and I, I can clearly remember uh, the shower stall at, at Adair County Jail. Uh, jails are dirty, filthy, nasty, and um, he just revealed to me the condition of my heart. It looked just like that shower stall. And I just fell on the floor and cried out to him and asked him if he would fix me. I didn't have a, a sinner's prayer. I didn't have a preacher pat me on the back. I just had Christ in the presence of his spirit with me. Um, the biggest change was that uh, I immediately just wanted to read the Word of God. Mm. Just immediately. I had a desire to read the Bible. Um, that desire has never left. Had you read the Bible before? As a child, when Mom made me. <laughs> yeah. Um, never a... I can't ever remember as a, as a young man or a young child ever getting the Bible out and reading it because I wanted to. Um, But things would change. Um, The biggest change, like I said, I guess, was uh, that I noticed was I wanted to read the Word of God. Uh, I can remember um, just my character and how I was um, aggravating people, being mean to them in a sense. And there was a fellow that had come into the cell and everybody was harassing him and um, I didn't, uh, but of course I laughed and joked about it a little bit. But God began speaking to my heart even then about how we treat people. And uh, I just laid in my bunk and asked God to make everybody stop being mean to that guy. And he did. Mm. But it's, I have, uh, you know, we travel down the road and we see these little green signs on the side of the road. They're mile markers. A Christian should have some spiritual mile markers in his life. And um, the, the things that God did in my heart early on are some mile markers for me that I can reflect upon as God has um, worked in my heart in the way that he has. Um, through my um, time in prison, uh, I found myself doing things for people in there, inside the system, that I would have never done, never did my entire life. Or Talk anyone. about fellow inmates. And, yes. Yeah. Um, I found myself volunteering to uh, work in the segregation units, the mental health units at KSR, um, 
and KSR being Kentucky State Reformatory. That is correct. Yeah. Not Kentucky Sports Radio. Yeah. Yeah. A little different. <laughs> but there were um, um, things that my character, when I um, before I went to prison, was not good. We we all know that. Um, and sometimes today it's not as good as I want it to be. But over the course of the last 25 years, I have watched Christ transform and um, do a work in the heart. No one, no one can see the change in Jack Schaefer as much as Jack Schaefer can. I know how wicked and how bad I am and how, how I was. So for me to sit here today and talk about how much Christ has done in my heart um, is still amazing to me that it would ever even happen. Margaret, during this period of time that Jack was incarcerated, did, did you know he was doing these things and, and Christ was working in his life? Were, were you aware of all that? and a supporter of him and, and what did you tell him you saw this change in his life uh, what did you tell him Margaret, uh, before Jack pled guilty, he was offered a plea bargain by the Commonwealth attorney. Uh, as he said, he was not going to go back to trial. Uh, of course, those offers are always uh, uh, told to the family. And uh, were you all told what they were going to offer him, uh, the 25 years uh, for each count? And. Uh, Did, How did they react? And, yeah, did some of your family object to the, to him pleading guilty? You recall the day he pled guilty? This was in court. You remember that, Jack? I do, absolutely. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> so, Margaret, you you could see the change in Jack Schaefer's life early on. And, and while he was incarcerated, those 
almost 16 years, you remained in contact with him and knew of the change that had come to his life because of his relationship with Christ. You remember that, Jack? I do. Yes. What was your all's conversation like the first time Margaret came to see you while you were in prison? I don't remember what the conversation was about, but I was comfortable in her presence yeah. because of um, letters that had we had corresponded some, and I just knew how she felt about me. Yeah. When you got out of prison, 2014, is that right? 2012. 2012. When you got out of prison, Jack, then uh, you really went to work for the Lord. You could put it that way, maybe. Um, I tend to think that when... I don't know if that's true. Okay. I, I think... Being a witness for Christ begins immediately in a, in, a con, in a converted person's life. Right. You may not even realize you're being a witness sometimes, um, but it's there. Now, since I've been out, there have been some ministry um, service that I've been able to participate in. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was ministry... Um, service inside the walls that I was able to participate in. I have, and I'll tell you this one story. I worked in the um, CPTU unit. It's a correctional psychiatric treatment unit as a legal aid. You volunteered. It was a volunteer. I did volunteer for that position. Nobody volunteers for that position. Well, nobody <laughs> did there because most legal aids within the system, it's a hustle for them. Yeah. They're going to get paid cigarettes or food or something to file divorces and to do appeals for cases and when you go to the CPTU, CPTU unit um, everyone up there needs help with nothing to pay you with in that sense so I did they had a position open and I did volunteer for that and the unit manager called me in and she asked me what's your angle Schaefer because nobody ever volunteers for this position I said, well, I'm a Christian pretending to be a legal aid, and I want to talk to you men about Christ. And she didn't literally give me the keys to the CPTU unit, but I had access to go up there 24 hours a day if I needed to or wanted to. That's how God opens doors. Yeah. So yeah. I took uh, reading materials from the chapel, took the guy's Bibles, prayed with him through the door. So... Did my service for the Lord just begin when I got out? Absolutely not. No, right, right. And there's many instances of over the period of 16 years like that. Yeah. And this whole time, you knew that you had the forgiveness of Margaret, uh, whose family was so affected. Uh, you, you knew she supported you, right? Absolutely. I've told Margaret, and I've shared before, that 
through her forgiveness, through her actions to me, God has spoken to my heart about what forgiveness truly is more than any other way, any other person. Uh, I could hear Charles Spurgeon preaching about forgiveness, and it wouldn't be as loud as Margaret Sheffield. Mm-hmm. Margaret, what do you say to that? And have you had, Margaret, I think you may have alluded to this, but have you had family and friends and and, and people that you're acquainted with question your forgiveness of Jack? Listening to both of you, what a testimony, Tony, of forgiveness on Margaret's part, and what a testimony of Jack of how God changed his life. Well, I I think that's the message that we should really focus on on Christmas, the birth of Christ and the forgiveness, you know, as uh, as Margaret told me, you know, how could I accept forgiveness and not give it? At, at the same time, which is really, really the I think the amazing story, Jack. When you were were in jail here, did uh, did you have ministers come and visit you? Local ministers. There were some that came, um, just a little, uh, you know, different ones that would come in on a weekly basis. Um, I'm not trying to be mean by any means. I had one minister that came to me. And um, I thought he'd come to encourage me. And what he'd come to tell me was, um, when I was a young child here in Russell County, I went to a church, and I guess I made the trip to the altar, cried, and became a member of the church. But this minister came to me and told me they were going to remove my name from their membership. That was really early on. and um, <clears throat> the um, This is why... This is during the period of time you were incarcerated. Correct. And this minister came and said, we're taking you off the church row. Yeah, and I'm not trying to bash anybody or be mean. But yes, there were some ministers that came um, um, as encouragement. Some that I knew personally, some that knew my family. Uh, Some that came into the jails on a weekly or a monthly basis. I can remember you talking about changes in your heart, um, you know, from uh, the old Jack Schaefer like to do different things, and one of them was play poker. Uh, of course, there's a lot of little poker playing inside the jails, and just because you become a Christian don't mean you change all of your habits immediately. So I still played poker, but on Monday nights at 5 till 7, I'd push all my chips aside, and I'd go to church 
within the jail. Um, you know, Christ, uh, just another example of Christ working in your heart. Uh, and now, if, since I've said that, I'll tell you this, I've not bet and gambled on anything for 25 years, 24 years. So, um, but, yeah, there were, um, I'm very thankful to the ministers and the pastors and uh, the evangelists that ministered in the county jails and even within the prison systems. Uh, I met some... Uh, I met some great people that had a, a true love of, for God and um, with an understanding that just because you have committed crimes and you go to jail or you go to prison, you're still a lost soul that needs Christ. Um, you, Margaret, you, you hear the story of, of Jack, something that you're personally uh, acquainted with and have been so instrumental um, does that give you opportunity to share that story with other people have you had that opportunity to do that yeah you never doubted Jack did you it's amazing that you could see that. You know, I, th I think that's the only divine intervention that, that uh, you, someone who had lost so much, uh, had so much faith early on when, when others wouldn't. involved in the uh, negativity and the criticism because you had forgiven Jack and you knew God was working in his life as he was in yours. I mean, he was working in your life to give you the ability uh, to forgive him. Jack, you told me uh, uh, we're talking about the media and the fact that we're here at the radio station that uh, you don't read anything now that's written about you, good or bad. And you gave me a good reason for that, that you just stay away from that. I've, been, um, <clears throat> I've had opportunity to speak at different places. Um, most of them have all been with modern technology. Everything's recorded and put online and... Um, there's one couple churches that I um, have been called to fill the pulpit for the pastor uh, on a regular basis, but I don't listen to any sermons. I don't listen to any talks that I give, um, lest I become prideful, and it builds me up. At the same time, if there's an article written that's kind of bashing me or whatever, 
I don't read that um, lest I get angry mm-hmm. and um, um, become bitter towards people. So, you know, you have to have a good balance as a Christian. Um, I don't want to be prideful in any way. Um, there's many points in my life, sometimes I am, uh, with things that God still works. You know, just because we become Christians, it don't make us perfect by any means. It makes us forgiven, and it makes way for God to continue His work in our lives. But it's good not to be... Uh, too prideful, and it's good not to be uh, angry and bitter with people. And and so you avoid those things. And, and what a lesson for all of us! What a lesson for all of us not to become too prideful and not let things anger us, because ultimately God is in control. And, uh, you know, with um, like I said, with uh, the forgiveness that Margaret has shown. Um, there are many others that I still pray about from time to time that um, from the families, um, from the accident. And, you know, God, uh, God does things in His way and in His timing. Um, but there's still probably, I'm sure, there are some of the families, members that are still angry, still hurt. And um, you never know, God may still open the door. Yeah. If they're listening right now, what, what do you tell them? What do you say to them? What can you... There's no words I could say or express for being responsible of taking the life of a loved one. You just can't. There's no words, Tony. Um, but Christ at work in the heart can mend the heart and give peace. I can't. As we talked before we went on the air, sometimes we get caught up thinking we can do some of those things, that we can we can change a person, we can change their heart, um, we can get them to accept Christ, we can save them. We can't do any of that. You know, it's Christ working in their lives. Um, and as you said, there's no words that you can say. Uh, and you pray for those people uh, to forgive you just as Margaret has. And uh, Christ will have to do that. Yeah. yeah. If you listen to what Margaret said, she had that forgiveness in her heart before we'd ever met. She didn't sit with certain people so that she wasn't in the middle of certain talks and so on. That forgiveness was already there. Christ already had done that before she extended it to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. Tell us, Jack, what you've been doing since 2012 when you were released. Working. <laughs> <laughs> the um, Shortly before I had gotten out, um, I was talking to the Lord, and, um, and I talked to the Lord like I talk to you sometimes, maybe with a little bit more reverence, of course. But... Um, you know, sometimes a lot of inmates that have been um, incarcerated a while and have been converted, they get out with some great ideas about they want to go do this and they want to go do that and they're going to open a church here and do this. And in my talk with the Lord, I just said, Lord, if someone calls me, I'll go. I said, uh, and 
I said, I don't want to try to open doors to be a witness for Christ. So, and I had talked with Tony about that. There was no hesitation when he called me and asked me about coming down here today. Um, it, I was kind of surprised about it. Um, but anybody who calls me, I go. As long as it's not me opening that door. Right. So I have been to some different places, uh, some different churches, <clears throat> talking um, about what Christ has done in my heart. And... Um, what, and I'm really not trying to be um, boastful. Uh, I teach the adult Sunday school class at my church that I attend um, because they asked me to do that. I didn't volunteer for what I tried to get out of it, really. <laughs> but I try to be a witness for Christ and note that word try because it... Um, as, as long as we're in this flesh, we're never going to represent Christ the way we should, fully. And, um, but I try to represent Christ wherever I'm at. Whether you are um, at work or whether you're teaching the Sunday school class or if I'm called to go to a talk or to preach somewhere. Um, you know, our goal is a converted person, one who belongs to Christ, should be to represent him. So that's, in essence, Jeff, that's what I try to do. Right. You, you've actually spoken at schools before. Was that while you were in prison, or where did you go? Or? Um, actually, <clears throat> they had a program in there. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but they had brought some kids in to the prisons, and there was a couple occasions that they actually took us out, okay. a couple of the inmates, mm -hmm. to a school, yes. And I noticed and I, we were uh, talking about another program that you got involved with, I think maybe over at Luther Luckett's uh, with the palliative care. You volunteered and... Uh, uh, that was a hospice program at the Kentucky State Reformatory. And did, when, it, when it started, you volunteered. Uh, Jack, I, I remember getting the Courier Journal and your pictures on the front page uh, sitting with a, a person, an elderly person, who was going to die in prison. Tell us about that program a little bit. Uh, that would have been the nursing care unit uh, at the Kentucky State Reformatory. Anybody who is um, terminal gets transferred. Anybody who's terminal within the Department of Corrections system gets transferred to KSR uh, and put into the nursing care unit where most of them die there. Um, they have nobody in the room with them, so uh, they had a hospice program where inmates would sit with other inmates while they were in their final days. Um, and it's just something I felt the Lord leading me to do while I was there. Hmm. Margaret, you hear, you know, we hear this story. Um, many of us, for the first time, uh, actually, uh, Tony and I learned about it. He a little bit longer than me, but, but most people that are listening hear it for the first time today uh, out of this tragic event in Russell County and, and the result today and how God planted a, a seed of forgiveness, I, I guess is, I'm trying to find the words, but God planted a seed of forgiveness in your heart that led to you being able to forgive Jack, which led to him 
being able to do the things and touching the lives uh, that he has. And it goes to show what both of you have said. We never know what God's going to do. And uh, what a great story, Tony. What a great story. Margaret, are you still with us? I know you're waiting on a call from the, uh, the hospital. You're going to go get an infusion, so as soon as they call, you need to t take that call. We, we understand that. But uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up here in uh, five minutes or so? Jack? Just on uh, forgiveness, you know, forgiveness can be like a pardon. When we think about the word pardon most often, especially maybe in Tony's line of work, we think about the court system or something, but um, a pardon doesn't mean that you're not guilty. A pardon means you don't have to pay the penalty. Um, I'm guilty of hurting Margaret, disrupting her life, causing hurt and pain in there. And because of um, the work Christ did in her heart, I don't have to bear the brunt of her anger. I don't have to bear um, whatever I rightfully and justly deserve from those family members or from Margaret. You know, a pardon with God is the same way with our sins. It doesn't mean we're not guilty. And too often Christians, when they're converted with pride, can begin to think more highly of themselves than they ought to. Uh, a pardon uh, with God simply means you don't have to pay the penalty of what you owe, what you deserve. And the only reason, you know, we talk about through Christ and in Christ and by Christ is because of Christ paying that penalty. Margaret has suffered the anger, the hurt, the pain that I deserve in that relationship that I have with Margaret. But yet she didn't pass it on to me. She just extended friendship and forgiveness and you know, the, um, and, and that's what I talk about, how God has revealed to me and showed me what true forgiveness is through Margaret Sheffield more than anybody else ever has or ever can, I think. Jack, uh, before we wrap up here, there's, uh, there was also another lady in your life who, uh, who was there. This is your mom. And... Uh, you you told me that she actually had a radio show here back in the nineteen mm seventies. -hmm. I remember. Uh, yeah, and uh, and your mother, uh, I know she. They would send you literature and and and, and do it all they could for you, but uh, they never stopped praying for you. 
That is right. I know that. Yeah, your mother was, uh, she was, she was devout to the end, wasn't she? And uh, there isn't a doubt that my mother still prays for me today. (laughs) She's getting a little older, but uh, there's nothing like the love of a mother to um, love a son or love a daughter, no matter what. Yeah. Favorite, uh, you read the Bible all the time. What's your favorite? You got a favorite verse, favorite chapter, favorite? Um, page one to the last page. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is, you know, we, we think about the Old Testament speaks of God's law, and the New Testament speaks of God's grace. Well, if we just read the law, we kind of get depressed because we, we can't live up to it. And it shows us how bad we are. If we just read the New Testament, we'll, we'll think of God just as a God of love. And we might forget how holy he is. But when you combine the two, God allows you to see how bad you are. And he allows us to see how good he is in his forgiveness. Um, yeah, there's, I have favorite passages. But, you know, um, you need a good balanced meal to be healthy. So I don't want too much law. And I don't want too much of God's love, lest I forget where I came from. December 22nd, uh, what does that mean to you? How do you feel on that day, Jack? Coming up on 25 years. Sadness. Margaret Sheffield, Jack Schaefer, What an amazing story from both of you. And we thank you for, one, your story, but two, your willingness to share it as an example for all of us. That's going to do it for all things Russell. Tony and I will be back next Friday right here on Laker Country 104.9 at 8 o'clock. And Margaret and Jack, thank you for agreeing to do this and uh, just uh, sharing with people. We hope it's been an inspiration. And uh, what a great time to try to inspire people. Uh, we, we certainly need stories uh, like this. And uh, I appreciate you coming. You're welcome. Merry Christmas to both of you. And we'll be back next Friday for All Things Russell here on WJRS, Jamestown, Russell Springs, Kentucky.